Welcome to the Giants Huddle. Get him in the huddle. Get him in the huddle. Get him in the huddle. A New York Giants podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Giants Huddle podcast. My name is John Schmelk. The Giants 2019 NFL draft is in the books, and the Giants' sixth overall pick in the draft was Duke quarterback Daniel Jones. Who better to talk about Daniel than his head coach in college, Duke head coach David Cutcliffe, who's also a coach for Eli Manning and Peyton Manning when they were in college. But our focus today will be on Daniel Jones. Coach John Schmelk here in the Giants practice facility in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Thank you so much for the time. How are you today? I am good, John, and uh, hope things are great up there. I'm obviously a huge Giants fan because of um, Eli, and then just for many, mine goes all the way back to Y.E. Tittle, by the way. So uh, I have followed the Giants in my youth and was a fan of theirs, even growing up in Alabama, which doesn't make much sense, but it was Giants and Yankees for me. Absolutely, Coach, and thanks so much. Certainly, I can tell you, I've been here since 2007. I've enjoyed every minute of Eli Manning's career here, and it has been a pleasure watching him play. Just a, a great young man, and, and that's kind of where I want to start with Daniel Jones. I want to dig deep with you uh, in terms of his technical quarterback performance, too, but let's start off the field. Take us behind the scenes a little bit, and what is it about Daniel Jones as a man that people don't see on tape that allowed him to go from walk-on to three-year starter at Duke? Yeah, he... Um... First of all, he's a great teammate. Anybody that's ever been around athletics as a player or a coach or a combination uh, understands that in the end of your career, if, if multiple people come up to you and say, hey, man, you were the greatest teammate I ever had, you cannot get a bigger compliment. And there would be many that would say that about Eli at Ole Miss. They're, I think many, if not all, here at Duke would say the same thing about Daniel. He's sincere. He's genuine. He's the hardest worker we have, period, which people don't ever understand that equation. Uh, so you, you take gifted, gifted athletes and you see, just you think they're great is a gift. It's it's not just the gift. Uh, the other portion of it is the ten thousand hours of hard work. And Daniel, what what I like about him, he does that on the sports field. He's been unbelievable here in work ethic as a player. Great in the weight room, and I'm not talking about good. He is strong now. Great in the weight room, but he also. If given the task to be a great student, he's going to do it. His attention to detail, he does every little thing well. And when that becomes your habit, that's where great lives first and foremost is in the attention to detail. And we're all a product. We don't choose our our futures. Our habits choose our futures. And I tell young people that all the time. Daniel Jones has got as good of personal habits uh, as, as anyone I know. One other thing that both Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman talked about, which they really liked about Daniel, was his toughness. And I think they meant both mental and physical. Can you tell me a little bit about maybe some opportunities you had with Daniel on and off the field where you saw his mental and physical toughness manifest itself? Yeah, I'm going to start with the physical toughness. Um, we'll get in a minute to overcoming injury. 
But I've seen Daniel hit, and like you don't want to see your guy hit. And I've never seen him flinch. I've never seen him flinch in the pocket. I've never seen him fail to get back up off the ground and be the first one up off the ground. So his physical toughness is unique. When he runs the football, I had to get on to him uh, quite often because he'll take tacklers on, and he's finally gotten out of that habit, and you certainly don't <laughs> want to be in that habit in the league he's headed to, and he no. knows that. But um, the other part, I don't know anybody I've ever known. He, he, he broke a collarbone this year significantly September 8th. He started and played a complete game for us on September 29th. Uh, the year before, when his play suffered, and this isn't all that widely known, and I don't want to sound like I'm defending him, I'm not. But he played a big portion of the year with not, not, not what you'd call a crack, a broken rib. And if you want to talk about pain, anybody's ever had a real rib injury? I have. Uh, I don't know how he did it. And... I really didn't want to. The doctor said he was fine to do it if he could stand the pain. His parents were okay with it. He was determined to do it. He's a unique young man in that regard. So the physical toughness, the mental toughness, never just seen him waver. It's that thing that that Eli has is that he's not going to get too high with all of the accolades at all or, or even at all. But he's not. You're not going to get him down. He's just going to go to work, um, and I think that's what the great ones do. They don't focus on what people think about their work. Can you imagine a great hitter for the Yankees through the years um, worrying about what Hey Rod? You think worried about what people thought about his work? He was focused on his work, and I think that's a trait that all the great ones that I've had—not just a quarterback, but all the positions and We've had a lot of great football players through the years that have a unique ability to focus on their job, their work, and uh, doesn't matter what other people think. And that'll that'll serve anybody well in the National Football League, but certainly in a market that's as passionate with the best fans in the world in, in New York. A hundred percent correct on that one, Coach. I know you were involved and sat in on a lot of the meetings he had with NFL teams. You have a lot of good relationships around the NFL. What was some of the feedback you were getting, not just from the Giants, but from other teams around the league, about Daniel, why they liked him, and just what NFL teams saw in him when they evaluated him? Yeah, the, the, I mean, the big the film sessions, if they happened first, just blew them away. Um, they had no idea that he could talk protections and coverage and fronts and, I mean, best run plays. And, you, you know, really we could have just turned calling offense at the line of scrimmage over to Daniel. It was pretty amazing. Um, and they were blown away. I mean, they're like, what? Coach, is it, I mean, does he really understand all that? I said, not only does he understand it, it's functional. And uh, he can do it in a hurry. That's what I mean by functional. It's not just film smart. And then um, the other thing is when they walk out on the field with him, all this stuff about arm strength and everybody I talk to, good gosh, man, he's powerful. He's bigger than I thought, you know, when you're right beside him. 
Uh, his hand speed's phenomenal. He's throwing out routes. He's throwing posts. He's throwing takeoffs. I mean, he's in the best is yet to come. Now I'm telling you. So I think people. I don't know if they were shocked, but they. I mean, I saw eyebrows go out. You know, we would have sometimes six to eight people in here doing an evaluation. They'd start looking at each other, and you would see. I mean, I've been around a long time. I knew what they were thinking. Like, oh my gosh! <laughs> and so he 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 would have gone. And I've I've heard that attributed to to Dave Gettleman. And you know, I don't know what he knows, but I know what I know. And he wouldn't have been there at seventeen. There's no doubt in my mind. And Jim Nagy, who's the guy who runs the Senior Bowl, told us the same thing on our other Big Blue Kickoff Live show as well. So uh, you're not the first and you won't be the last that has made that point, Coach. All right, let's get to the technical quarterback play, and let's start where it all begins, and that's pre-snap. How much responsibility did he have pre-snap in terms of protections, in terms of how much leeway did you give him in terms of changing plays, and how do you think that would translate to what he's going to be asked to do in the pros? Well, that's just that's it's what we do. It's how we train quarterbacks. They manage protection solely. So five man protections, six man protections, check to max protections, um, breaking off routes. Um, sometimes people don't realize you audibleize with hand signals, and so you actually change route concepts. And you know when he sees certain coverages, doesn't have to make a big check of protection change. But every bit of that he's functional with. And pre-snap reads are the biggest part. It's when you watch high school guys and you see them, you know, a route concept may take 3.2 seconds. We're not going to have that. So we got to be able to get great pre-snap reads, get everything right. We're going to get the ball out in 2.7. Um, and, uh, I, you know, the same thing's true depending upon who you're playing I also, you know, when we're playing, uh, quote, an Alabama or Clemson or Notre Dame, and, and, you know, Daniel went into Notre Dame, people forget that and beat them 38-35, played great. But against those types of fronts, you got to be so good, we don't do anything over 2.5. Wow. We're going to keep their uniform clean. Which means you got to be great pre-snap, and you got to be a great decision maker, and then you got to use your eyes to move a defender to make sure that you're right. So, these are things he's been taught since he was a freshman. Coach, I like to talk to Kevin Gilbride about quarterback play, and he says some things that are just really fascinating. One thing he's kind of always stressed with me is that he thinks almost maybe the most important thing a quarterback has to do and the most difficult thing is once he gets his ball in his hands, can he slow everything down and just see the field, his receivers, his defenders, anticipate properly, and make a good decision. So once Daniel has the ball in his hands and he has all the film study during the week, all the pre-snap stuff, how does he then translate that into a split-second decision to get the ball where it needs to go? Well, what what you're describing is when you see a quarterback that will stay in the pocket and has that ability to buy a tenth of a second by staying in and moving, that's the guy that is doing what Kevin's describing. He's absolutely right. He knows what's getting ready to happen. Um, Peyton uses it some. I made it up 
in 94 with him, we called it anticipatory throws. And there's not a word, but using anticipation just made it easier to teach when we talked about being anticipatory. So um, those guys amaze me. So they will hold it and move knowing that a completion exists, boom, just like that. So that all happens from a combination of knowing in your mind pre-snap what to expect, and then that requires hours of pristine practice that everybody on that field's doing what you expect them to do as a quarterback. So he's right, but it also is not just the quarterback that has that. And nobody trains those, that receiving core like a quarterback does. So when Peyton and Eli through the years have come back, they've always brought their receivers. And what I have focused on with them is making sure that we're all on the same page. And it's amazing how that doesn't work. You understand what I'm saying that through the years, but when you see it's a thing of beauty, um, and, and that's when it all happens. As soon as that ball's taken under the center of the drop, being busy during your drop, for one. And then when you catch a ball in the gun, you got to have great hands. You better not be staring at the ball. You have to use the time that literally that ball's in the air to be a middle infielder. Shortstops don't look at a ball from the second baseman. You, you take the ball and you're busy with your eyes. Now you're getting in my you you're getting in my lane right now talking about what you're talking. I'm I'm coaching now, but uh, <laughs> that's how I evaluate high school kids. I won't take a guy that can't be a a middle infielder or a basketball uh, shooter. And and Daniel has got all of that talent. How often do you ask them to make full field reads and go from the left side of the field to the right and really see that whole both sides of the defense and make decisions off of what he sees the entire well, width of the you, field. You, yeah, you don't ever really want to take your eyes from, from right to left. What you do is you read through the goalpost where you know what's occurring on the right or the left. So we mm. have complete cross-field reads, but it's all dictated, as I said, as you're, if you're dropping, you read through the goalpost, you're going to know what – if you watch that tape and you've padded enough games, you're going to know what people are doing outside. So – that will dictate whether you go left or right. Rarely do I want a guy to go from the right side of the field to the left side of the field because that's where sacks live. And about 20% of the sacks in that league result in fumbles. So, um, you know, we're going to avoid sacks at all costs. And obviously none of this stuff matters if the quarterback can't deliver the ball accurately. And there's nothing more important for a quarterback than being accurate. How would you characterize Daniel's accuracy downfield, which, of course, comes down to his feet and his mechanics? Yeah, I mean, outstanding. He can put it in a window. He's got great hands, as I said. People don't realize you don't throw a ball with your arm or your hand. You throw a football with your fingers. No different than, you know, um, I was a pitcher in, in baseball and, and, and as well, and the difference is you throw a baseball, velocity comes from, a lot of it comes from your fingers, uh, rotation, all of that. He's got great hands, and the ball comes off his fingers really well. Uh, his freshman, redshirt freshman year, he's going against our defense. I was totally blown away by his accuracy. We changed some things in, in his motion as he got a little 
you know, later into that fall. But good gosh, he drove our defense crazy with phenomenally accurate throws. Downfield, midfield, uh, sideline to sideline, it was fun to watch. We knew we had one then. What do you think the biggest transition he's going to have to make heading to the pro game? And, and where do you think, to make that transition, should he try to really continue to make continual improvement? Yeah, I think the, that, that everybody that plays the game, continual improvement is the only chance you have. Nothing stays the same. You either get better or you get worse. If you start thinking about anything other than trying to be a great player every year, you got, you're making a big mistake. So age and, and conditioning makes you better. Um, you got to realize a 28, 29-year-old athlete's a much better and stronger athlete than a 21-year-old is. But um, the biggest challenges you run into, first got to learn a whole new system and a whole new language. And that's tougher than people think because you're thinking one thing in your head, you're saying another, uh, just the rhythm and timing. If you're not the starter, how to get enough reps, to be on the same page with that receiving core. And then there's no question that open in the NFL is is not open collegiately. You, you understand what I'm saying? I we're do. Gonna, we're going to have not necessarily bigger windows, but a little different approach in decision-making. So they're paying those guys that rush you a whole lot of money to, to not let you get that ball off. So it's – it's a beautiful challenge and a great one, but it's just part of the process. And I think the first time you get an NFL hit in the pocket, you probably realize you're not in college anymore. Coach, I know he's a very competitive young man, maybe quiet, but extremely competitive. And I've seen, I've been trying to go through all all his plays on on coach's tape over the last couple of weeks. And I see the competitives come through when he stands in the pocket, makes a pinpoint pass, takes a big hit, and makes a perfect throw. Other times, maybe he tries to make a play when it's not there because he's so competitive. Is that something that Daniel, and I've seen it with Eli up here too, by the way, where he has to fight maybe understanding when it's okay not to try to make a big play in a certain situation? No question, and especially for us in his career when, when you know, things we were outmanned and you think you, you know, can outcompete someone and uh, knowing when to say when at quarterback is always tough because you got to be fierce enough and you got to be competitive enough and they hate throwing the ball away. They, but you, you know, sometimes a profit is different than a completion. And so you kind of try to teach the difference in a profit and a, and a completion. So sometimes that profit is, throwing the ball away, quickly laying it off. Uh, and I hate to say this because this is rare. Sometimes you have to eat the ball. And, golly, I hated that myself. That makes <laughs> me feel like a loser. All right, Coach, two more questions for you very quickly. For people that maybe don't know what a great athlete Daniel Jones is, you saw him there for three years. I saw him run for 60-plus yards twice in the same game against North Carolina. Just tell the folks a little bit about the type of athlete Daniel is and how that – shows itself on game day. Uh, I, I, he is a powerful runner. Uh, he's got really good quickness, but I really believe he could have been a national class 400-meter runner in a 400-meter sprint college. I mean, he can open up and go. 
he's outstanding on a basketball court. He any sport, I mean, it just comes natural to him. Um, he, he is strong, really, really strong. So from an athleticism standpoint, I mean, I think people think of Kyler Murray, who's a phenomenal athlete, but they don't think of a six-five-plus guy being that athletic. But Daniel is. I mean, he is absolutely a, just a terrific athlete. Shoot horse, play one-on-one, whatever you want to do, go play golf. I mean, Daniel can can do any of it and do it well. Coach, final one. You know the type of offense Pat Shermer likes to run in the pros. You know what he wants from his quarterbacks. How do you think Daniel Jones fits into what Pat Shermer wants his quarterback to do? Well, I think he'll be terrific, and I think Pat does as good a job as anybody of of coaching quarterbacks and offense and just knowing that that you're going to get the ball out. It's going to be on time. Uh, you're going to be disciplined. You're going to be structured. Uh, I think that's Pat's way, and it's won a lot of football games for him, and uh, I think it's a, a great fit and a great pair. Coach, we appreciate the extra time. Thank you so much. Best of luck to you this upcoming year, and we look forward to seeing up here when uh, Daniel plays his first game at MetLife Stadium. All right, John. Thank you. That's Duke head coach David Cutcliffe. A lot of interesting stuff from him, and hopefully he gave you guys out there a much more intimate look of Daniel Jones, both on and off the field. I am John Schmelk. Thank you for joining us for another edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast. We'll see you next time on Giants.com, and of course, all your favorite podcast platforms, whether it's Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe And we appreciate you joining us. We'll see you next time.